So we continue during this morning our series in Philippians, which we have uh, titled The Journey of a Joyful Life. And we have seen the first three messages that Pastor Garrett pre preached to us or shared with us, that this is a letter from Apostle Paul who have planted this church in Philippi according to the narrative of Luke in Acts 16. So Paul is writing this letter as a response to a gift, financial gift, that he received from this church in Philippi. And taking the opportunity, he, he replies or sends this letter through uh, one of the elders. And we saw that at the beginning, he expresses how much he loves this church and prays for her. And after that, we saw that he gave an update of his situation since he was in jail there in uh, Rome. But he very clearly stated and emphasized while giving this update that he had joy in his heart as he sees the gospel proclaimed and people coming to the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ in spite of his situation and circumstances. Why? That's what we saw last week. Because Paul's mission statement, Paul's drive in his life was nothing more than to see Christ exalted, Christ honored in his life, whether he lives or he dies. We saw very clearly, and this is the question that rang in my mind during this week, can we honestly say with Paul, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain? This is, was Paul's mission statement. But Paul continues as a caring and loving shepherd. He now gives some instructions and exhortation to the Philippians that are also relevant for us today as a believers in general, but specifically for us here in New Life Church. As we consider what Paul has for us this morning, and having in mind our desire to move back to the zoo, I think that it is an important moment that we refocus our understanding and our vision of what we are as a faith family. Why are we together this morning? What are we doing? And what it means for us to be faithful to our calling as a followers of Christ and members of this local family. So we will see then that according to this passage that we have this morning, that the gospel that we once believed must shape our lives and culture of our of our personal lives and of our faith family so that not only individually 
but corporately we can display Jesus Christ and his beauty as revealed in God's word. So how are we doing or how are we to do that? This is what the passage of this morning shows us. The title of our message is the Christian gospel culture. The Christian gospel culture. And we will see that from Philippians chapter 1 from verse 27 up to chapter 2 verse 4. Will you please stand as we read God's word and pray also for his help this morning for us to understand his word. That says the word of God. Philippians 1 starting from verse 27. Only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you or I am absent, I may hear of you that you are standing firm in one spirit, with one mind, striving side by side for the faith of the gospel, and not be frightened in anything by your opponents. This is a clear sign to them to their of their destruction, but of your salvation and that from God. For it has been granted to you that for, for the sake of Christ, you should not only believe in him, but also suffer for his sake. Engage in the same conflict that you saw I had and now hear that I have, I still have. So if there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the spirit, any affection in, and, sympath and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourself. Let each of you look not only to his own interest, but also to the interest of others. Let's pray. Father, once again, we ask for your grace and for your favor at this time. What we don't have, Lord, give us this morning. What we don't know, as I'm speaking, teach us. And what we are not, O oh Lord, make us in and through the preaching of your word for the praises of your glorious grace in Christ Jesus. We pray, knowing that you are able to do exceedingly above anything that we can ask or think, according to your power that is at work within us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. We know that living in Abu Dhabi and having a church in Abu Dhabi brings to us this very strange scenario 
since we have a very transient church. And we as elders, and I've, I've been really dreaming and praying that God will give us, let me say, a strategy how in this scenario of being a transient church, we can create a culture that will, in fact, display the beauty of Christ for those that are coming for the first time. And in the passage that we have in front of us today, Paul help us indeed to have a strategy, so to speak, in two men's pathway. So how can we accomplish this desire of us of having a gospel culture embedded in us so that once someone comes, he can see the grace and the beauty of our Lord Jesus Christ displayed in our midst. This person becomes captivated by that and is at the same time welcome. And the person can identify him or herself with this grace at work in our midst. We have two ways, two pathways that in this passage, Paul is helping us to uh, follow. The first one is from verse 27 from to verse 30, which is seen in Paul's charge to the Philippians. That's my first point this morning. Paul's charge and this charge is to the Philippians, but it is also for us. Paul says at the beginning of verse 27, only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ. If you have an ESV Bible or even a new international version, you will see that there is a footnote for this sentence, let your manner of life be worthy. Right there, you say that in the original language, this sentence can be translated only behave as citizens of heaven or behave as citizens worthy of the gospel of Christ. So Paul starts saying, if I don't come to you, my brothers and my sisters in the church on Philippi, just have this thing, this only thing in your mind. Behave as a citizen worthy of the gospel. If you remember in the first uh, message in this series, pastor said that the, 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 the city of Philippi was a Roman colony and everyone had also the Roman citizenship. And these people, they had privileges that other cities would not have. So they would brag in their citizenship as Romans. But now Paul comes to this church in this city and say to them, do not only identify yourselves as Romans, 
But uh, above that, actually, if there is one thing that you need to consider in your life, is your heavenly citizenship. And of course, he will uh, explore this a little bit more if you just turn in Philippians chapter 3 and verse 20, Paul leaves this very clear. Christians in Philippi and in Abu Dhabi and wherever we are or wherever we go, our citizenship is where? In heaven. Not in this earth. Brothers and sisters, this earth is not our home. We are going somewhere. And our citizenship is the citizenship of heaven. So Paul is calling these brothers in the church of Philippi not to identify themselves, first of all, with the culture of Rome, or with the or according to Caesar's laws, but according to the heavenly Lord who is our Lord Jesus Christ. That's why he says, walk, live your life in the manner worthy of the gospel. As I say, brothers and sisters, even in the prayer that we just read of our Lord Jesus Christ this morning, he said, Father, I pray for my disciples. I pray that you may protect them in the, in the world because I am coming to, to you. Elsewhere, Jesus said, you are in the world, but you are not of the world. But are we truly and honestly say now, today's what, 25th? 25th of June, 2023, as believers in Christ, can we honestly say what Jesus said, that we are in the world, but not of the world? Brothers and sisters, many of us, in our way of living, we don't really display our citizenship as if in heaven. Many of us, we walk according to this world. The way of thinking, and as we say, our ambitions in life, they don't display a true desire of us seeing the kingdom of God established in this world. And today, Paul is calling us in the same way he did with the, Philippi, uh, the, the church in Philippi for us to change our way of thinking. The invitation of the gospel must renew our way of thinking. Christ wants us to see and to live our lives according to the light that he has given us in his word. In many areas. 
today we see what the world calls new ideologies, meaning a new way of thinking. And governments are sitting hours and hours trying to discuss if there is more than two genders. And many believers, we are embracing this way of thinking that is coming from the world. While the Bible says that we need to live our lives according to our citizenship in, in heaven. How are we living our lives? Pastor has challenged us to say that we should reorganize our personal lives and even our family lives around this true desire of seeing Christ exalted and Christ honored even in our life or even if we live or if we, we die. But sometimes we are so preoccupied with the things of this world that our hearts, affections, and ambitions are not consistent with where are we going? The kingdom of, of God. I'll repeat the same question Pastor made. What is really our ambition in this life? What is really your heart desire? I know that we are believers here, many of us. I'll ask, do you really love Christ? Do I, Pedro, really love Christ? If I do, the invitation of the gospel is for me, Pedro, not to have my plans as I want, but to organize my life, my leisure, everything I do, my family, around this passion of seeing Christ exalted. Are we doing that as individuals? Are we doing that as a families? Are we doing that as a church? Parents, do you see this love for Christ in your children? Children, do you have this love for Christ? And do you see this love of, for Christ in your parents? We just sang the power of the cross. That Jesus has become what? Seen for, for us. Brothers and sisters, let me tell you that he did that in order for us to become citizens of heaven. So did Christ die in vain for us? It will be in vain if we refuse to align our lives 
with our citizenship, which is in heaven. It will be of no benefit if we don't reorganize our way of thinking according to our citizenship. What is your priority in life? What is your dream that really makes you wake up in the morning? What is your ambition in this life? I remember how we were struck to death or to death when Pastor Doug came in 2019 in our first mission trip conference. And we repeat that statement every time that we didn't, we didn't come to Abu Dhabi to make what? Money. I came to Abu Dhabi to make money. <laughs> but because I am now faced with the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, I need to reorganize my way of thinking. Because God is saying that my priority in Abu Dhabi is not making money but to glorify him and see Jesus glorified and make him known in the world around me. Guess what? He took my job. <laughs> Just to prove that I need to reorganize my priorities. I'm not saying that he will do the same with you, okay? But he has given this job to you, not for you to cling on it as everything that you have in life. He is our everything. And as citizens of heaven, we need, by God's grace, I'm praying, to change our way of thinking. Brothers and sisters, whenever we leave Christ out of our lives, even saying that we are believers, we are forfeiting everything that we desire truly, even if you know it or you don't know, this is what the gospel says to us. You want to be a good father and good mother? I bet you that you can only do that with Christ. You want to be a good worker? You can only do that with Christ. You want to be a good son, a good husband, a good wife? You can only do that with, with Christ. Therefore, put Christ first. Let him be glorified in your life and in our lives as New Life Church Abu Dhabi. But Paul gives us, at least in this passage, three ways for us to do that. Three ways. The first one is that he says that we need to stand firm, to stand firm in one spirit and in one mind. 
stand firm in one spirit and in one mind. Meaning, we are not shaken, we are not moved by every wave of doctrine and ideologies that comes. But this one spirit is for us to have, you know, the same soul, the same attitude of mind. Let me say the same ambition. If you and me, all of us, we desire to see Christ exalted, just as the Philippians wanted to see Christ exalted in the life of Paul, then we can come together as a church and partner in the gospel. He wants us to have one mind, which is one purpose. The purpose should be seeing Christ glorified and his beauty displayed in the world around us, in and through our coming together in this faith family. He says then that we need to strive side by side. I believe the picture that he has in mind is that when you, we have this uh, Romans army on, that, on those days, they will use these big shields in, the, in, in combat. And for them to be able to stand firm or to, to strive, they need to have one, uh, like they need to stand beside one another with their shield uh, uh, lifted for, for the enemy not to to uh, enter. And this is what Paul is saying here. We need to stand beside or side by side. But why? What is the aim for us to stand side by side according to God's word? For the faith of the gospel. It is our responsibility to defend the faith of the gospel. Elsewhere in the Bible, Paul says that the weapons of our warfare, meaning of our battle, they are not carnal, but spiritual, mighty in God to the pulling down of strongholds. And he qualifies and identifies that stronghold. If you want to read that, you can read in 2 Corinthians chapter 10 from verses 4 and 5. And that stronghold is arguments that stands against the knowledge of, of Christ. Brothers and sisters, for this fight that we have to guard uh, the faith of the gospel that we need to do side by side, we cannot use carnal weapons. We need to use spiritual weapons. One of them is prayer. I will invite you next Sunday to come early. Let's stand side by side for the faith of the gospel. Let this be something that you teach yourself to enjoy it. Let's teach ourselves to enjoy doing these things together, side by side. And then Paul says, not be intimidated or frightened or being afraid of in anything by your opponents. If we want to live as citizens of heaven, guess what? We will have people that will oppose us. 
This is a guarantee. And as we see, God in Christ Jesus will make sure that we will be opposed by people. We will have opponents. But their way of acting will be by intimidation. I need to be honest to you. I grew up a fearful uh, man. I told you that uh, when I lost my job, like, I don't know. Well, we were five months into our marriage. Sorry, not five months. Five months in the UAE, but newly married, one year married. And I was shivering <laughs> on my bed without knowing what to do with my wife here in Abu Dhabi after losing my job. You know, Vitorina looked to me and said, Pedro, where is your faith? Where is your, your faith? I had to change my way of thinking. That the Lord that gave me her and know that I need to provide for her will take care of us. So when intimidation comes, the only way that we have to overcome that, it is in and through our fear of the Lord. The Bible says, Jesus says, don't fear those that kills your flesh. Fear the one that can kill your, your soul and send people to the other side. To hell. Fear him. And when we fear the Lord, he will organize and give us grace for us to re re reorient our lives according to the gospel. May the spirit of the fear of the Lord will be our portion so, so that we will not be intimidated by anyone. Brothers and sisters, in Acts 5, the leaders have stand and say to the disciples and to the apostles, do not preach Jesus anymore. And they said, look, we can't. <laughs> because our mission in life is to know the Lord and make him known. They took them and they beat them. And you know what? When they left their presence, they were rejoicing because they were found worthy to be what? Counted worthy to suffer for Christ. I said to our home group last Thursday, because of what God has invested in our life, he will shake us for us to wake up if we are truly his children. He will shake us up. How? By bringing the opponents. And guess what? The world around us is bringing that opposition already. If you don't agree with their way of thinking, they are planning some places around behind the scene, putting you to jail. When it will happen? 
we will deny our Lord Jesus Christ. Brothers and sisters, allow this message that we are listening, allow the Holy Spirit to minister to you. What we don't have, he can give us. What we don't know, he can teach us. What we are not, he can make us. But he expects us to desire it. Let me go quickly because the time is going already. We say that when we live as citizens of heaven, we will face opposition that will lead us to suffering. But see this that the Bible is saying here. It's not me. Eh? You, you talk to Paul when you see him, okay? But I found this very strange, honestly. Like, it was my first time seeing this very clearly. See this in verse 29, okay? He says... For it has been granted to you for the sake of Christ, you should not only, what? Believe in him, but also to do what? For his sake. Meaning that suffering is a grace of God in our lives. This is strange uh, word, no? This is not a way, like, Give me suffering. <laughs> I grace you with suffering. But this is what Paul is saying, that the grace of God, it has been granted. In original, is it has been graced to you, not only to believe, but also to suffer for his sake. Suffering is God's grace in our lives. But we don't like suffering. We treasure our comfort. That's why when we are listening this, we need to change our way of thinking. Why? You will suffer. If you are a believer in the Lord, you will suffer. And I don't say this like... Um, belittling what we are going through. But you know, the Lord that came and gave himself at the cross and no suffer or suffering, he will see us through all that we will suffer in this world. But in our renewing of our minds, we need to see and to know that the suffering of this world cannot be compared with the glory that will be what? Revealed. So if we are seeking more your comfort than the grace to suffer for our Lord Jesus Christ, today the word come to us, to you and to me, for us to renew our mind. For us to reorganize our way of thinking. And see, Paul goes on and says, engage, engage. So you need to be participants, meaning they were suffering in the same way Paul suffered 
the same conflict he says that you saw, I heard. You remember when Paul came to Philippi. You can read that story again in Acts 16. After he cast out the demon in the life of that uh, small girl, he was taken, beaten, and taken to the prison. He was suffering. That's how this church started. The jailer, when Paul was praising the Lord, the gates opened, and they stayed there. The jailer said, what can I do for me to be saved? That's how this church, and Paul is reminding them about this. You saw my suffering, and maybe now you are suffering. But guess what? That's an opportunity God is giving you for you to exercise your faith in him and see the beauty of our Lord Jesus Christ in your life and in the midst of your church. You suffer with me now, even while I'm here in the prison in Rome. Brothers and sisters, let's embrace this invitation. Let's embrace the wisdom of God's word and follow him in our, not in our own terms, but in his own terms. He says, you cannot be my disciple if you, not, if you don't deny yourself. Take up your cross and follow me. This is the culture that we need to create, not only in our personal life, in our family life, but in our life as church, new life church. But Paul doesn't stop there. The second pathway that Paul wants us, for us to display or for us to have this uh, gospel uh, culture and display the beauty of Christ is in the ability of serving one another. In the ability of serving one another. This is my second point. That Paul said to them, please complete my joy. We see this in this request, in this command of Paul to complete his, his joy. He says from verses 1 to verse 4, but I read only verse 1. So if there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort of love, any participation in the spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy, excuse me, of, by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and in of one, one mind. We already see this language of one, 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 one in verse uh, 26, yeah? Oh, 27 to 28. And now Paul comes again with this language of oneness. It's the language of unity. Paul wants us to live together, united. And he says, how do we need to live? How this unity can be displayed? In verse 3 he says, by us not doing anything of self ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than ourselves. As Sinclair Ferguson said, being taught by John Todd, John Stott, the secret of humility, or the secret of this oneness is humility. 
Brothers and sisters, the second way that Paul is inviting us for us to express this gospel culture and the beauty of our Lord Jesus Christ is for us to be united and serve one another in humility. Why he says that, and Pastor will unpack this a little bit more next uh, Sunday, it is because of the example that Jesus Christ has left us. Brothers and sisters, as we mature in Christ, one characteristic of our maturity in Christ will be other-centered life. Meaning, I don't do first what is convenient to me. Just imagine if we live in this way in every area of our life. It will be a paradise, starting in our marriages, in our workplaces, and even in our church. But many of us, we wait for us to feel something, enjoy something, in order for us to come and do things. Why? Because we are thinking first in us. Be it as individual, be it as, as a family. Let me just open a quick parenthesis here and say, Sinclair Ferguson, I, 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 I learned this from him. Once he says to me, oh, in one of the teachings, he says, like, the family that will be eternal family is the family of God. Meaning, my family, myself and Vitorina in heaven, will not be anymore the Samuel family. We will be the family of, of God. Therefore, we should reorganize our lives towards that family that we will all be. Even our family lives here needs to prioritize or needs to uh, give priority exactly to the family of God in one sense. I'm not saying that we need to ignore our families. This is not what I'm saying here. But Christ himself did that. Remember when the, the parents, the mother and the, the brothers came and they were looking for Jesus? Jesus turned to his disciples and asked and replied, who is my mom? Who is my brother? And he said, here are my mothers and my, my brothers. Was Jesus being disrespectful to Mary? No. He wanted to set a principle in our lives that he must have what? Priority. Brothers and sisters, this thing of being a church is God's idea. It's not our idea. Let's learn to think God's thoughts towards his family. Brothers and sisters, the cross was not a place that the, the Romans would enjoy to be. It was not a glorious place. But it was on that cross that they saw Jesus Christ being crucified. Now put yourself in the place of the disciples. This is the man that is saying that he is God and he is glorious. They, they have only two options. 
Oh, Jesus was not glorious as we thought he was. Oh, glory means completely something different that we have defined. Oh, greatness means something different that we have defined. Guess what? They have chosen the second option. That I need to renew my mind and know when I'm giving up my life, I'm actually gaining life. And that's why Jesus is teaching us for us to live our life in serving others. Look around. Who can you serve? Don't wait to be served. Jesus said, I didn't come to be served. I come to serve. And he gave an example while washing the feet of the disciples. He says in John 13, if I have done that and I'm your master and you are right, you also should do the same, the same thing. Our desire as elders is for us to see New Life Church growing in our heavenly citizenship. And this is only possible, as Pastor said last week, if our mission statement in life, we need to find not only something for, for us to live for, we need to find something that we can die for. For me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. Can you say this again? Think carefully. This is not Pedro asking. Jesus asking to you through Pedro. Can you honestly say that? When Pastor made that question last Sunday, honestly, uh, I say, Lord, no. I cannot honestly say like Paul now that for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. But I say to him, I want to say that. I really want. I desire that. And the invitation is for us to have this same desire. You know why? Because he said to us, follow me and I will make you. So it's not my business to make what I want to be. He, his business. My business is only to do what? To follow him, to live my life in the manner worthy of the gospel. And this is the invitation of our Lord Jesus Christ this morning. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. We acknowledge that you are worthy for us to live for you and for us die for you. Lord, teach us what we don't know, Lord, teach us. What we don't have, Lord, give us. We need your grace. We need your favor. Lord, what we are not, make us. Make us fishers of men. Make us men and women with one goal in life, to see your son 
our Lord Jesus Christ known and be known in and through the ministry of New Life Church in Abu Dhabi. Father, we pray this for the praises of your glorious grace in our Lord Jesus Christ. It is in his name that we pray.